Welcome to episode number 33 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I'm your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Now, Chris, I'm going to mix things up tonight. I have a uh, different kind of question for you, and I I hope you'll be honest with the good people. Um, Chris, I want to know, do you want to sniff it? (laughs) Absolutely not. Whatever you're dishing out? I'm not sniffing. <laughs> that would be very wise, Chris. <laughs> very wise. Very good answer. Uh, so, buddy, it's been uh, quite a few weeks since we've recorded, and uh, we need to know. How are you? Nobody needs to know how I am. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I already know how you're doing, but uh, I mean, just for the, uh, make some sort of conversation. Oh, thank God. Uh, this These past few days, it was just like summer getting like its last few words and hot and humid i told you i took out the fucking um acs all three of them i think it was early last week and it was when it was really nice and then all of a sudden the fucking heat came back and i couldn't sleep so i had to go put these fucking things back in the window dude three of them and the I lost it oh my god it sucked and the horrible thing was when i bent down to pick one of them up i threw my back out and i was just laying on the fucking ground and just thriving in pain that my wife and kids had to come over with a cane I had from the last time I pulled out my back and I had to slither to the door with the cane in my hand. <laughs> Little did you know you were putting more than just the AC away for the winter. <laughs> <laughs> the back went with it. Bye bye back. <laughs> oh God. So it, that has inhibited me from uh, returning to the softball diamond. Um, as I told you, my men's over 40 league has come back in a, a different kind of way. We're just uh, doing scrimmages and whatnot, which is fine. But I mean, I guess it kind of sucks because it's just not the same kind of. Yeah, but it's good that you get a chance to get used to that new field, though. Yeah, it's a, it's a full uh, synthetic field material, so it's fucking cool. Yeah, it's like a nice turf. I mean, those those renovations, like a field like that's probably really expensive. I'm surprised the town like went in all in on that. Like my town where they'd be like, "Fuck you guys, you get dirt and whatever grass will grow in between it." <laughs> well, <laughs> I, it. I, I think they got some kind of grant or some shit, like because it's the high school. I guess they're going to use it for baseball too. I don't know. Um Oh, it's at the it's at the school. It's at the rec park. It's at the rec park up in Oh, Red, okay. Red that's Hulk. where ours is. Yeah, so but I mean I'm not used to playing on any kind of field like this. And uh, my return to the diamond was uh, anything but spectacular. Uh, as I told you a couple of years ago, I was a starting shortstop for the team that went to the championship. Now I've been relegated to second base. I had uh, two chances and made two errors. And uh, in five years that I've been playing, I've never hit into a double play. And I hit into two in one night. You could probably thank uh, the turf for that ball uh Getting an extra 10 miles per hour behind it when it bounces. Dude, I just can't. My, my body just can't move. Like, in my mind, I'm still, like, 25, and I, but it's just not going as fast as I used to. Those turf, dude, I do not envy people that have to play the hot corner when uh, someone hits a hard line drive or a, a hard ground ball. That thing bouncing at you. That's the thing. Like, like whenever I have too much time to think about a, a play, like a slow ground ball, I always fuck it up. Like, if it's a, like a shot right at me, I can feel it because I'm just not thinking about it. I just react to it. So there's a benefit to it, too. But if you misplay it, you're, you're going to the fucking hospital. <laughs> yeah, I would probably, if I was an infielder, I'd probably wear a cup. But it's not all bad news, Chris. Uh, I have some good news for us. We don't really have much to do this week as far as the podcast goes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> now, do you know why? I think you're going to tell me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> for the first time in Between the Cracks history, we have a special guest. I took the time earlier this week to interview my very good friend, T-Bone, who has spent nearly 30 years in the United States Navy. Now, yeah, so what's so interesting about this is that I told him that we are going to be doing, I think, next week's episode on the Loch Ness Monster. So he told me he had been there and he had some other crazy stories that happened to him out at sea. So I was like, you know what? Let's do an episode on uh, some kind of nautical nightmares and shit that happens while you're alone out there in the fucking sea. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that we now have a resource... To do our Loch Ness monster search, we can we do. get like a 
a submarine or something? We, we do. We, we <laughs> and, and I got to say, you know, which is much different from us, T-Bone actually came at us with experience and factual information. Oh, my God. Something that, that has never no- before seen on between, between the cracks, the cracks history. history. <laughs> Actual factual information. So, yeah, I did the interview with him, and he had some crazy-ass fucking stories. And uh, what we're going to do is play that interview in uh, a little bit. Then we're going to come back and discuss just a little bit of it and then say goodbye, Chris, because uh, I got to get the fuck out of here for the day. <laughs> it is just way too nice outside to oh. be talking about a podcast it truly is so you know these stories are really great so it involves him when he was deployed and all the uh naval officers that were with him out on the ship so some crazy shit so before we get started with the interview chris i just want to ask you one quick question buddy are you ready oh yeah let's cue it I had told you guys that we had something very special planned for you this week, and uh, as always, I have come through. For the first time in Between the Cracks podcast history, we have a special guest joining us. With me is my good friend since 19, God, I want to say 1980, who I have mentioned quite a few times on the program. T-Bone is with us. T-Bone, how are you? Doing real good, buddy. How about you? <laughs> oh, this is awkward for us to be talking to each other in such a formal uh, way, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Usually it's all over text message. Talking's kind of weird, <laughs> especially over electronics. And especially over a podcast with a bunch of people listening. Yeah, no lie. T-Bone, and I'm not going to use his real name. This is all on the uh, up and up, though. He is a decorated naval officer, and he is here tonight to uh, share some stories of the sea. He has had access to places that most of us have never been able to uh, go to, and uh, he's going to share some of uh, the bizarre stories that he's encountered. The thing that scares me the most about being on a ship and running into uh, some of these stories that you're about to tell us is that there is nowhere to run and there is nowhere to hide. Am I correct? Oh, you're spot on, man. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, there's nowhere to swim either. I think you might have heard on one of the older episodes uh, how much Chris and I fear sharks. Man, I've been on the water my entire life and I can't stand it. Man, have you ever seen like any sharks and shit around the ships? Yeah, so one thing that we like to do is uh, we'll do a swim call. And I'll give you an example. An aircraft carrier has 3,000 people on it. So you'll probably get about 2,000 people that jump in the water. Obviously not all at the same time. It's pretty structured. They send in about 50 at a time. But we, we have to put like smaller boats out there with guys with M4 machine guns just in case sharks come by. It's, it's ridiculous. But, you know, a lot of times with these sharks, we don't try to shoot at it because if you shoot at it, it's going to cause blood. It's going to draw more sharks. So they shoot by it. And the, vibra- the vibration of the bullet going through the water usually scares it away. Usually. Now, done a lot of swim calls, never had anybody bitten by a shark, so doing pretty good. Some of the stories that you're sharing with us tonight uh, don't have such happy endings. Am I right? Oh, you are correct, my man. What are we talking about tonight, T-Bone? You have four stories for us, and they sort of covers everything uh, that we've been covering on this podcast. We have missing person cases, we have paranormal cases... Why don't you hit us up with one of these creepy-ass paranormal cases, seeing as we are heading into the Halloween season. So the first one I'm going to talk to you about was on my uh, very first ship. It was an auxiliary ship, so this thing was able to go alongside other ships and give them gas and give them food. It wasn't a combatant ship. It was just, it was a supply ship. And somewhere early 80s, and this ship was commissioned in 74, I think, in early 80s, um, there was a, a sailor, a second-class petty officer, that was working on what we call a boat boom. Now, a boat boom is basically like a long pole, a thick pole, that swings out from the side of a ship, and boats will be able to tie up underneath it, right? Now, in order to get to these boats, you have to walk around, along this pole. It's kind of like walking the plank a little bit, okay? and you have to climb down a ladder. Well, this guy wasn't so lucky. He was walking across the pole, and this was in the North Atlantic, Halifax area uh, up by Nova Scotia. Really tough water, cold. It was in October when the seasons were changing, 
and it was pretty bad out there. He was going down to secure a boat. He slipped, fell, and as he was going down, he, he hit his head on the side of the boat, and he went into the water. They never found him. From there, it was always a big thing that, you know, he was haunting the ship. You know, it's, it's old folklore. All ships have, you know, tales of, of ghosts on them. But it was the craziest thing because you could be sitting up there. It didn't matter if you were in the Atlantic, if you were in the Med, uh, or if you were in the Gulf. It's dark, right? It is dark. If, there, if there's a little bit of overcast, you don't see anything. You know, we all stand watch, 24-hour watch, where you're looking out. Kind of, you kind of think of it like you're driving a car down the street. You probably got about, you know, 10 people on the bridge doing bridge watch safety and navigation. And all of a sudden, we'd see, like, white flashes. Where was it coming from? I don't know. And that's the thing. So we would send people out. We had a, a watch called Sound and Security. They would go out, and they would try to see what was going on. And maybe somebody was up there with a flashlight. Because the one thing you can't do is you can't shine any type of white light topside, right? That gives away your position. You can only use red light topside or, or, or a green or a blue light. So uh, they never found anything. But you would see these white flashes. Every time after there was a white flash, when we would go to, to do un replenishment where we're giving fuel to another ship, you think about your gas pump. That's maybe, I don't know, like an inch diameter hose that you're putting into your car. These are seven-inch hoses. They're, they're pretty big. And they would just rupture in the most, the, the weirdest places that they shouldn't rupture. So for a long time, we're, you know, everybody's thinking it's, you know, some type of sabotage. But it was impossible for somebody to sabotage it because these things are hanging like 100 feet in the air. You know, unless somebody's going to levitate up there and cut it, you know, that wasn't happening. So we, we blamed it on the ghost of the ship. Now, I will tell you one time, we were, we were playing a, a joke. We were coming back from a deployment. And when you're coming back from a deployment, things get real loose. Everybody was up on the forward end of the ship playing cards. So I said, I'm going to go scare everybody, right? So I went in and I put a jacket over me, a black like trench coat type thing. It's a raincoat. And I walked up and I just scared the crap out of everyone. And then I ran. And as I'm running, somebody was running with me, but there was nobody there. <laughs> Dude, well, that's what I'm saying. That's what's so fucking horrifying uh, uh, about this stuff happening on a ship is that like there's there's nowhere to go. You're stuck on this ship no matter what. Like there, there's no escape. It's like you can go to a store or you can get out or go to a hotel. You're stuck on this ship no matter what happens. You're, you're dealing with this. Yeah, you, you really are. And, and I'll tell you, the only comfort I ever got is we all sleep in, you know, they call them birthings. They're, they're really like bunk bed type things, and you're in a little cube. The only comfort I ever got, I was in a birthing with like 80 other dudes. So Yeah, well, yeah, throw them in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no Dude, that, I mean, that's the last thing you want to do. I swear to God, like you've been to my house and I talked about it a couple times on the show, like this house is about 200 years old. So sometimes like I've never really experienced any, any, anything major, but like I, you'll get fucking freaked out in this place. So like I'll take one of my kids and make them sleep downstairs, put them on the couch or something like that. You know, so <laughs> I go, I'm not, I am not staying down here by myself. <laughs> no lie. So here's the kicker with this one, right? So the ship ended up decommissioning in 1997 and it goes into what's called the ghost fleet, right? The ghost fleet is here in the James River in Virginia. It, eventually, the ship got taken down to Avondale Shipyard in Louisiana, basically scrapped, right? So they cut it up, and the, the tale is they make it into razor blades. Oh, shit. Well, well, as the tugs are coming alongside to grab this ship, they see somebody on the forecastle, which is the front of the ship. There's no way for anybody to get on this thing. And... They're like, well, what the hell is going on? So they tie it back up and they go aboard and can't find a soul. And where was this? This was in... This was in the James River in in, um, in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. So it's it's actually not Norfolk, it's Yorktown. And you know there's a lot of freaky shit up there in Yorktown. I, I mean, do you think like, you know, with, with the history, especially with like the Navy and all this shit, and, because I would imagine that even, you know, when, it, when a ship gets retired and then, you know, you, you're filling the capacity of a new ship with the same officers right so i mean you're wondering if those spirits carry through with the with the officers themselves or is it more with the ship you know like what what is the spirit that we're talking about what's it holding on to I, I don't know um i think it's more with the ship you know i've been in uh, 10 ships in my entire career and that was the only one that i've ever seen any type of paranoia 
paranormal stuff on. And I was on old one. I was on Nimitz, and Nimitz is like ancient. And there was a lot of people that died on that thing. But the Merrimack, which was the first one, that was the only ship I've ever seen in paranormal. It was pretty pretty wild. The history of the ship and the places that they've been deployed to, the things that they've seen, the, you know, places that's docked. You know, there's so much history involved with that that I, I think that can evoke some of these paranormal activities. It, it sure can. I, I truly believe that. And when we get on to my third story, I'm going to tell you a real good one about paranormal activity that I saw firsthand in the Persian Gulf, which was totally wild. That's the thing, too. All you need, <laughs> I'll tell you with myself, all you need to do is experience one thing one time. And then, and especially if you're on a ship, like we said, and there is nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. So, I mean, who knows if it's happening or your mind's getting fucked and it's playing games on with you too. So like anything could then be perceived as some sort of paranormal activity, you know, like w once your mind gets in that, in, in that mindset and you start getting fucking freaked out. Yeah, it, it really can freak you out. And the, the one I'm going to tell you here in a little bit, it wasn't just me that experienced it. It was another person too. Now, We'll get into that a little bit later, but it was another person that felt the same thing and saw the same thing I did. Wild crap. Well, let's hope <laughs> for the sake of all of us and uh, more importantly, you guys, that this uh, ghost retired with the ship. Yeah, I kind of hope so, too. I'm not <laughs> on a ship right now, so I'm safe. <laughs> You're safe. So what else do you have for us? You said there was a, a missing uh, person's case, right? Uh, something yeah. a, a little a little more uh, intense, right? A little, yeah, and closer to home. Oh. So the next one here, the missing person one we were talking about, was actually my wife's best friend. Oh, no. I'll tell you the backstory, right? So same ship, USS Merrimack. My wife checked on board, and here, he, I, I was like 18 years old. She was 19. I'm trying to get a date, right? I take her out uh, on this date, and she had told her friend, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going out with him, and... She was, you know, she was doing her laundry and we went and I think we got like rallies, which is, I don't even know if rallies exist anymore. It's like a hamburger joint. So as she's leaving the ship, she tells her friend, hey, you know, I'm going out with him. And we went out, you know, had a good time. She did her laundry. I ate a double cheeseburger and uh, bring her back to the ship. And I went off to my apartment. Now, from what my wife tells me, as she's walking on the ship, her and her friend pass and her friend says, well, how was it? And my wife was like, no, nah, I don't really like him. Part of her duty at that point was to check the vehicles. Each ship is assigned so many like vans. So she had to go check them to make sure they had gas and make sure they started. Now, this is late at night. This is like 11 o'clock at night, right? So she went down there to check the vehicle and disappeared. And so did the vehicle. There was so much speculation, right? So... Obviously, the first thing everyone's going to default to is she's a deserter. But she had no reason to desert, no reason to go AWOL or anything like that. A, a happy person in the Navy doing a great job, just talked to her best friend coming on the ship and said, I'll see you in a couple hours and you can tell me about your date. And then she just disappears. Has she ever been found? Let me get there. I'm getting there, buddy. Oh my God, this is intense. I wasn't expecting this, T-Bone. Hold on a second. I'm. I, I was. I was scribbling on my pad here. I wasn't expecting something so crazy. Yeah, this is a. This is a weird one. We were in the shipyard at the time, so the ship was docked for a good period of time, getting worked on, and she never came back. And I probably about three months went by, and we ended up going out to sea. Everyone thought that maybe you know she was some kind of just making up stupid dumb hypothetical stuff like uh, maybe she was a spy maybe she planted a bomb all kinds of stuff right none of that ever happened but this is just what sailors are talking about so she wasn't a deserter she didn't plant plant a bomb where was she so a couple of you know a, a couple of theories arrived so you know how you go in your kids room and you're like it's dirty clean it up so we do the same thing and we turned over this one guy's bed and he had like pictures of her everywhere. Newspaper clippings about her being missing. So automatically everybody's like, well, he did something to her. What was his reaction when all this was discovered? 
beat red. This guy turned red. He was starting to cry. He was like, no, I had a crush on her. I didn't do anything to her. Now, this is back in the 90s, right? Before all the true crime stuff. So, yeah. you know, everybody's just making their own conclusion. But it was <laughs> so big that the Naval, it was huge. The Naval Criminal Investigative Service, NCIS, got involved in this. Holy right? shit. And <laughs> yeah, so me and my wife end up getting married and somewhere around 2000, my mother-in-law is out outside in front of our house here in Virginia Beach and me and my wife are in the kitchen and here comes two guys in suits and they walk up and they, you know, and I'm like, well, we better go figure out what the fuck is going on here. So we walk outside and, and now this is how smart these people are, right? They show my wife a picture and they say, I need you to tell me who this girl is. My wife turns around and says, that's me. They show my wife a picture of her and the other girl. They had no idea who they were talking to. Oh, shit. It's really strange, right? But they had still been looking for her, you know, after so long. How long are we talking between her gone missing and them coming to ask your wife these questions? Four years. They weren't able to pick up on the fact that that was her in the picture? They, 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 they were not able to pick up that that was my wife. They were trying to track down a lead. And all they, were, all they were doing was going through the addresses of people that were on the ship. And my wife was like, that's me. Did they just fucking leave so, after that? So, yeah, they did. They left. And it kind of went, oh, obviously, sediment and, and oceanography, topography of, you know, the ocean's bottom, import changes, tidal. So it's bringing in silt and everything, right? Yeah. So where the ship was docked in 1996 on the um, Elizabeth River here in Norfolk, they had to do a dredging. And dredging is is when they clear out the bottom of the pier. They just move a whole bunch of sediment out into the river, and the river takes it away. Okay. As the, dredger, as the dredger's working, oil starts coming up to the surface. So they send divers down there. Here's the van and the girl. Oh, my God. Skeleton at this point. Still in her uniform. Oh, fuck. Are you kidding me? I swear, man. It's ridiculous. There was a lot of theories, you know. Um, one was that she didn't really know how to drive. So when she started the car, she put it in drive, hit the gas, and it went over. But that's that's a that's a bullshit theory anyway because there's humps that, that guard. You can't just drive off of here. And I, I would think that you would crash through and, and some kind of like pillar or something, you know, some kind of you blockade. Would- yeah, and not to mention a whole bunch of people would hear the friggin' the, the, the van crash in the water. But that that's where it ends. And that's where they left it off at is that she just drove right off the pier into the water. But right. So let, let, let's unravel this for a second. So what, what I mean, what other explanation could there be? I mean, obviously, you know, you're, you, you instantly think that, you know, maybe she put it in reverse or she you know drove erratically into it. But if you're not seeing any outward damage along the pier... Or anything of that nature. I mean, that's not really making much sense. It's almost like, you know, if you're not seeing damage, like this van would have had to have been lifted over that pier. Exactly. Now, here's my thought process. I think somebody took her, took the van, waited on the ship to leave. And then when it was all quiet in that yard, they put that van in the water because there's no way. And the ship sits so close to the pier, you couldn't get the van and we're talking about like a regular van right like a uh, we call them 16 pack vans they fit 16 people in there you couldn't get the the width of that van into the water without smacking the side of the ship and as we're looking if you smack the side of the ship ships are painted you would see paint peeling or paint chips and that would immediately give it away and why did it take so long for oil i mean we're talking about salt water and metal right that's a chemical reaction yeah that's gonna bust all kinds of stuff but the sad part is, is here's this girl in the driver's seat, still in her uniform. You probably weren't privy to the fucking, I mean, I don't even know if they could probably, they probably can't even do an autopsy at that point with, you know, the remains. But I will wonder, be interested to know if there was any kind of like, you know, like fractures or any, any kind of like damage where it would look like there was an assault made on her or anything. Yeah, so no one knows. I mean, she was listed as being a deserter. Now, we all have insurance. But if you're listed as being a deserter, that you don't get, you know, the insurance that that you know your family is entitled to, because it's like you ran. What ended up happening to close to close the whole story out, you know, they they didn't, they never found, you know, they, they just wrote it wrote it off as she drove into the water. But somebody had to 
take her bones basically in a body bag to DC where her family was in order to bury her in Arlington. And then her family ended up getting, at that point, her family ended up getting um, the insurance payment. But completely unsolved, man. They just wrote it off as she drove off the side. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. I think something happened to that girl because there is no way. We looked and looked and looked. There's no way. Like when I, I, I research or look into a lot of these bizarre like missing person cases, every once in a while you'll find a, a couple friggin' freaks, you know, a particularly even like with kitty fiddlers, let's say, that will collect memorabilia of the missing person, whether it be like, you know, pictures of them or uh, news articles. You know, a lot of times they're not guilty of it. They they get some form of, uh, you know, uh, gratification out of collecting the shit and they have grow to have an obsession with this case. But what's weird with what you mentioned with this guy with these clippings is that how close he was to the actual scene of the crime. Very close. To, and you never know. Maybe it was him. No idea. You know, craziness. And, and you know, back in those days, back in the 90s, um, we, the Navy wasn't as politically correct as it is now. And there were a couple dudes that lived inside that building that really that really lit this guy up. I mean, they had him against the wall about two feet off the deck trying to figure <laughs> out where that girl was. I, I, I mean, mean these are some big boys we're talking about. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, we're talking about some, some cornbread Fed. They're some big boys. <laughs> I mean, but and, and, and I think rightfully so. I mean, when you're when you're you know trying to solve something as horrifying as this, and you got somebody holding on to all this memorabilia about the case, and not only that, keeping it hidden. You know, I hope the God at least they did a a really uh, hardcore psych eval on him. <laughs> Bro, it wasn't it wasn't even just hidden. It was like a shrine. Dude. The way that he, I mean, it, it, he was sleeping on top of it. It was like a shrine. He had pictures, newspaper clippings. Holy everything. shit. Ridiculous. <laughs> it was crazy. That's, that's scarier than Absolutely any, <laughs> that's scarier than any paranormal fuck we could run into. We used to tell him, we used to be like, hey man, you come near me, I'm going to knock your teeth out. So, uh, but seriously, <laughs> that, 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 that's another, that's a good question. <laughs> that brings up a good question. So after you're kind of like alienated from now on a ship, I mean, God, what the hell is life like? Oh, horrible. <laughs> Nobody wants to sit with you. Nobody <laughs> wants to talk to you. I mean, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. If you're on a ship with like 300 people and you ain't got no friends, you want to talk about lonely. That's oh, man. stuff right there. Do you ever know, have you ever heard of what ever became of him? No, I it got out of the Navy and then went back home. I don't even know where the dude was from, to be honest with you. It was so long ago. I'm guessing he's probably uh, the subject of a podcast at some point. Oh, man, that was a bummer of a story. Jeez, I wasn't expecting, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but God, that's interesting. Me and, me and my wife talk about it every every now and then, and, you know, this was her best friend, and, and we're kind of like, whatever happened to that poor girl? Crazy. Now, how does your wife feel about this? Does she feel like better now knowing or does it even like add to the speculation as to what happened so her opinion is that somebody took her she was like i've been in a car with her before she knew how to drive there was no way she drove over the side somebody took that poor girl and that was her job that was her job too right like to go refill these that, that was her job to go check them for gas we keep logs on everything man we're the most freaking uh and it's hard I have no attention to detail in my personal life, but in my professional life, I got super attention to detail. And we keep logs on all this stuff, and she didn't have to take it to get gas because it was full tank. She didn't even have to put it into gear. So after that, we came up with a rule. Anytime somebody was going to do anything, you had to go with two people. Buddy system. That makes a lot of sense, man. Damn. Yeah. God. That was a wild one, man. I was like, oof. Fuck, that's a bummer. We're bummed. We Chris and I generally get bummed out on a show at least uh, probably two to three uh, times per episode. So that's number one for us, T-Bone. So <laughs> we, we have two more strikes to go before we are out. Uh, but you did say that you had another paranormal story to share with us. I did. And this one kind of hits a little bit close to home because it's got a little bit. It's got something to do with my grandfather. And, and once I... Once I get there, and I, I'm sure you met my grandfather before. He he owned the bar up there on Chestnut Street. Well, that you know what's funny. I I, I think Older. I've talked about it on a show before. Like that, uh, T Bone's grandparents owned a bar in Yonkers where we both grew up, 
And this is back in the 80s. So we talk about the 80s all the time on the show. And I mean, just how great of a childhood we had growing up in Yonkers, man. I mean, it was just really the perfect city. I mean, it was it was a, a shithole, but like it, it was our shithole. And it was just such a, a, a beautiful time period in both of our lives. But the funny thing is that T-Bone's grandmother had this bar and we would go back there the bar would be full and we'd be there back there making our own drinks at like you know eight nine years old i mean not alcoholic drinks but we'd be helping ourselves to everything you would never even let kids do it. now you got young kids my youngest is is gonna turn 17 here next week i wouldn't even let her go out alone doing something like that that's ridiculous she's 17 years old well do you remember we used to go all over that fucking city down at getty square by ourselves coming back up yonkers avenue you never have you like we would be gone all day like i mean roaming around the fucking city at at Nine, ten years old. You remember, um, you remember chasing the fire truck. Somebody's house is burning down. You go watch it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And do you remember we had all those toys? <laughs> well, first off, we'd walk around with the fake cigarettes that you blow the smoke out of, and then we had yeah. the look, what they call those things. Remember the black snake that you? It was a kid's toy that you you'd go to like a fucking candy store to get, but you actually needed matches to light this motherfucker to get it to do what yeah. you. <laughs> remember the inner tech guns? Yes, dude. All of it. All of it, like, I, <laughs> I, and I think about it too. Like, I, you know, I, I can't even mock some of the parents today because I, I think about it. Like, I wouldn't let my son, who's even ten, I wouldn't want him going running around with matches and playing with that shit. Dude, we used to walk to school at that age. It, it's out of control, isn't it? Like, I think about it. So I lived down on Elm Street, but I was on the third floor. So what's funny is I used to have to cross over, and uh, people aren't going to know what these streets are unless they know the area, but I used to cross over Neprahan and Yonkers Avenue with my mom watching me from the third floor of the apartment building. But it's like, what the fuck are you going to do if somebody takes me and you're you're just watching me from an apartment building <laughs> fucking two blocks away? Yeah, right. Craziness. And, you know, during that time, you had some crazy people out there. Son of Sam, all these nuts were out there. Well, dude, that's, that's the thing. It's like... You, you think like you know the world's a crazier place now, but it could have been just as crazy. We just have so much access to information now, and the immediacy of uh, of news being passed around. So who knows? We I mean we probably had kitty fiddlers in that neighborhood, murderers, all sorts of weird shit. We definitely had drugs. We definitely had drugs. Shoot, we probably had kitty fiddlers at school. So, <laughs> oh, I think we did. I think we did. I'm pretty uh, sure we did. I'm not gonna name names, but I I, I think they were there. Oh, yeah. One of them them had a paddle. (laughs) Oh, that motherfucker. (laughs) That hung me by a fucking hook. You kidding me? Oh, man. I don't don't care if he's he's dead. I'm going to kick the shit out of him. See, now you're you're leaving your listeners out, man. They're wondering what you got hung up for. All right, you want me to tell the story? I don't think it's actually happened the way T-Bone's about to uh, parlay it to the good people, but uh, give it a shot. This was not a good kid in class. Now, we had to go to school. We had to wear navy blue pants. We had to wear some stupid white collared shirt <laughs> with another stupid tie that said SCS on it. It's fucking ridiculous, that? yes. <laughs> the, the best time for me was when it was in the winter and you had to wear that dumb blue Fucking blazer, that 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 sweater, fucking blazer thing, and it had the two pockets that you can only lift it like three fingers in on either side. Oh man, that was ridiculous. The best time, the the best day was like when we <laughs> when we got to go to the little school store. I was talking to Larry about that the other day. I was like, you know, we used to get hot fries and those quarter waters. She goes, what kind of garbage shit is that? I go, that's the shit we we fucking grew up on. That's what it is. We did, and then Thursday hot dog day. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember those motherfuckers. I mean, they were seventy five cents a hot dog, and I guess I didn't pay for one. And those bastards held back my my uh, report card until my mother came in to pay the seventy five cents. <laughs> Man, craziness. Good people. Let me let me tell you a, a quick little story before I get to the hook thing. We actually went back to this school. What was it, like 2013? Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. 2013, yeah. right? This is embarrassing. We, we go back to this school now. I drove from Connecticut to meet Penn, and then we, we hopped on a train. Long story getting to the, the train, what? man. We made a pit stop uh, for a quick pit, second there. Pit stop, and Todd was driving like a fucking raving lunatic. And then uh, we stop and get... Uh, Four loco, remember that we fucking drank those things, and then like we had drank, yeah, I, I think we drank two each, 
And I, I already started hallucinating on the way down to two Yonkers on this train because the shit's like fucking paint thinner. Yeah, you drank yours. I dumped mine out in the toilet in Metro North. <laughs> so we get there, and part so we, we we're gonna go take a tour of, of where we went to school. But part of the tour was we had to we had to go to church. Once the priest got a hold of what we were doing, we were not allowed. We weren't going to that church, man. I, I mean, when you show up drunk, when you show up fucking pissed drunk to go meet a priest for a, a tour of your old school, I, I guess that's not the uh, the message that he wants to send to the rest of his congregation. Probably not. And th- th- this was the same year the school was closing. And the wild, you know, you know the wild part about it, and I still have it. We go into the library, and the library cards inside the books still have our names in there. It's unbelievable. Wasn't that crazy? That was, re- I still have one. Um, but anyway, as, as Penn here is talking to the, the priest, he says, I'm going to buy the school and he, he reaches and he gets pocket change out. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I, I can't believe that actually fucking, <laughs> I told him, I told the fucking, <laughs> I said the guy, I go, what's the price of this fucking place? Oh, what a fucking douchebag. God, what a fucking lunatic. Back to the original part of this, right? So I don't remember exactly how it happened because it was my time. You know, we had scheduled time. We can go to the bathroom. And it was my time to go to the bathroom. But I know Penn was giving uh, the teacher a hard time. By the time I walked back in from going to the bathroom, he was hanging on a coat hook. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> that, that, that is, you know, that is, unfortunately, that is fucking true. Uh, something happened, I don't recall, but this, this fucking teacher had a very uh, a very short fuse. And uh, no matter what you would do, I mean, and this is back in the early 80s, so teachers were fucking hitting, still hitting students at this point. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. It's, it's only, you know, a couple decades uh, ago, but, I mean, it's just so fucking insane. So this motherfucker had the balls to lift my little ass off the ground, and like uh, T-Bone said, we had fucking uh, little white collar shirts nerdy ass white collar shirts this motherfucker puts my pencil neck dorky ass fucking body on his hook through the back of my collar and i'm just dangling there like a fool like and i was like publicly shamed in front of all my classmates like i'm just dangling there and i couldn't reach the ground my arms are flailing my fucking legs are flailing i still think about that and get hot i mean that's 35 years ago now i'm still pissed off about that shit you were hanging up and he had that paddle that you you, you had to write your name on it and put a tick mark or yeah. a slash next yeah. to your name every time you got smacked with it. I mean, you think about that. After they whoop your ass, you got to sign that thing. I mean, how, how archaic does that fucking sound? I'm not one of these fucking everybody gets a trophy guys. I hate that shit, but I mean, come on. You can't be smacking the shit out of these kids with a, with a, with a piece of wood. Could you imagine if that happened now? It'd be all over oh the main God, street. you'd be arrested. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, t this actually leads in very nicely to our next story because I would bet anything there is some paranormal activity going on at uh, our old uh, stomping grounds. Now, uh, with that said, uh, you lay the uh, second paranormal story on us. Now, we'll try not to get off on another Yonkers tangent. We'll try. We'll try. All right, so... Next story, story I have actually happens in the Persian Gulf. Now, you know the Persian Gulf, a uh, little geography. You have Iran over there, Iraq, the UAE. Going through um, from the Indian Ocean, the I.O., there's a little area called the Straits of Hormuz, and that is completely guarded by Iran on one side and uh, Yemen and Oman on the other side and the UAE on the other side. So we were doing, and, and this is... Um, this is a little little closer. This is like 2007. We were doing what's called VBSS, Visit, Board, Search, and Seizure. International law will tell you there's a certain amount of mileage, nautical miles off of somebody's coast that they own, that, that's domain to them. Okay. Um, and then once boats get inside or outside of that mileage, they're in international water, right? Back at, at that point, um, the we were doing operations and we were trying to stop drugs, opium, and weapons coming out of Iran. So we were doing VBSS. And what VBSS is, you take a whole team, about 20 people, and you put them in small boats. Everybody's up armored, guns, the whole nine yards. And they approach these these ships coming out of these 
the ships coming out of Iran and we board them. Now there's two ways to board them. Either they stop on their own or a helicopter stops them. We were doing compliant boardings, meaning that they were stopping on their own. So got two boats in the water. I'm on board the ship. They do their visit board search and seizure and found nothing. And as they're coming back, boats started to break. Now, what you don't want, being this close to like Iranian water, you don't want your boat to go into Iranian water. So our two fast boats were out there. The slow boat was on the ship. Now, I was, I'm pretty senior at that point, so I didn't have to get in the water only if something happened. So now I got two boats that are dead. So now the slow boat's got to go, and I have got to go in it. So I'm not, I'm not very happy at this point, right? So I'm like spewing fire because <laughs> I do not want to go out there. So we go out there, we get one boat back, and it's, there's a, a way to tow a boat back. So you think about it like a tow truck towing a car, but they have to get the boat on board the ship, so then you tie up next to it. It's called a hip tow. Okay. And it's picked up by a big crane, right? So we get one boat back on board while the other one, these they're literally paddling to try to stay out of Iranian water at this point, right? So we get one boat back on board, and I still got another boat with about 10 people on it. So we go to get it, and we're doing the hip tow. Now, we are in a boat that's 40 feet long, towing another boat that's 18 feet long, going against a ship that's 609 feet long. Jesus. That it's, it's almost out of gas, right? So it's got gas. I mean, it, 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 plenty of gas to navigate, but we were doing a refueling the next day. So as ships run out of gas, they obviously come higher out of the water. Higher out of the water it comes, you start seeing the screw come out of the water too. So here we are, we're going alongside a hip tow, and all of a sudden the, the person driving the boat looks over at me and says, I have no power. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You have no power. I have no power. I can't steer the boat. The entire boat was dead. And we start to turn. Now there's a Venturi effect, right? So it's when suction sucks you into the ship. It's natural. Right, so it, we start getting sucked into the ship, and there's this big ass screw, right? Two of them that are coming out of the water that are propelling the ship. The ship tries to shut down, but those things are still friggin' turning. We're about to go underneath this friggin' this friggin' ship. As I'm about to tell everybody to abandon, meaning you need, we just need to jump. Everybody just needs to get in the fucking water, and we'll figure this out. I look over at the person driving, and there's this big white, like a foggy figure with wings. Now I look over at him and I'm, I'm, I'm looking, it's my grandfather and he's like hovering over the person driving. Don't know how, but we got power back. And the person driving yells at me and says, I've got power. I've got power. I've got power. And I just yell at him, gun it so we can get out of where we were, you know, in, in danger. And we gun it. We, you know, get up alongside the crane and they lift both boats out. How did you feel once you got back on board? I mean, what, was it a sense of, uh, like, comfort, or did you feel kind of creeped out? Yeah, I sat down on the freaking ground, still had my life jacket on, and the person that was driving came over and sat next to me. And he said, I don't know what happened, but I felt something completely overtake me, and I don't know how we got power. The crazy thing is, is we should have never got power back, because as they look at this boat to see what the problem was, a fuel line came off. The boat wasn't getting any gas bilge was full of fuel we should have never freaking been moving wildest thing i've ever damn experienced now my grandfather my grandfather was a world war ii and korea vet in the army and the last thing that guy ever wanted for me was to go into the armed services he used to tell me all the time you do not go in the military it's not the right thing um, they're not going to take care of you the whole nine yards. Now I've been in the Navy almost 30 years, right? So obviously something worked out, but he didn't want it. And, you know, he passed away in the, I think 1986. And my grandmother used to always tell me when I was going on deployment, she used to say, you know, don't be afraid. Your grandfather's going to watch out for you. And that day, dude, that shit was true because I have never experienced anything like that. But I'm going to tell you. You know, maybe you see things, maybe you just, in, you know, you, it's just in your brain, but that's what I saw. I'll never forget it. And for the person that was driving to say, I don't know what happened, something overcame me, I turned the freaking key and it went again. And then to get back on the ship and they're like, there's no fuel going to this boat. How'd you guys move? It was nuts, man. Absolutely freaking ridiculous. 
never experienced anything of that in my life. I like that because it's giving us a little more of a positive vibe now. I like that kind of paranormal story. It gives us definitely a little more positive vibe, and that's what we like here at uh, Between the Cracks Podcast. We like the positivity. Now, T-Bone, the question now becomes, you said you had one more story for us. Will we continue to be riding this high note, and will we leave off on a positive note? No. (laughs) In a word, no. <laughs> this one right here, man, was um, there's still no no explanation for it, and it's not a very big story in a nautical sense. It's strange. So 9/11 happened. Okay. And obviously, after 9/11, military's up in arms. We're all going hunting, right? We were. I was on board USS Nimitz, and we were ordered to make best speed to the Persian Gulf. As we're going towards the Persian Gulf, they decide that. They want to put us in California. Well, the only way to get from Norfolk, Virginia to, to um, San Diego is to go around Cape Horn. Now, Cape Horn is on the bottom of South Africa. That's where the Pacific and the Atlantic meet. That is some the worst water I've ever seen. Oh, so shit. you have warm water and cold water meeting. It's horrible. Absolutely the worst. I'm talking, you know, 20-foot swells. This is an aircraft carrier, right? 1,096 feet. 60,000 tons and there's it's it's rocking like a dinghy in in the ocean it's Jesus crazy middle of the night the worst thing that you can hear in the middle of the night in the pitch black is man overboard right that is the worst you do not I'd rather dude I'd rather deal with a fire yeah. or something than a man overboard in the middle of the night and at that time, I'm the rescue coxswain, meaning I have to go drive. So they, they call man overboard, and the reason why they did it, there was just a life raft out there. And this is the same type of life raft that, you you know, um, if you ever watched, what's that What's that movie with Tom Hanks? Oh, Castaway. Uh, no, not Castaway. The one where he was the uh, the captain of that merchant ship. Turner and Hooch. Like, no, not Turner and Hooch. <laughs> was the name of that movie. You know the one. Uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like Mr. Batfield ship or some shit like that. It's something, it's something like that, right? And it gets overtaken by pirates. Yeah, it was overtaken by pirates. But if you remember it, Captain Phillips, that's the name of it. <laughs> Fucking Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Turner and Hooch <laughs> passed away. So if you remember, they were inside of a, you know, he was inside of a, um, a rescue boat with the pirates. That's the same thing we're looking at. Except we're looking at this thing in 14-foot seas. Now, usually on an aircraft carrier, they'll send up a helicopter. Helicopter wasn't ready to go, so they had to put a boat in the water. Because the thought was that a ship sunk and there were people on there. So, salty as hell. I'm down there and I'm driving. We get up to this life raft. There's nobody in it. Now, every life raft on any type of merchant vessel or any type of naval vessel always has markings on it to say what it is. There's no markings. It's just empty, floating in the middle of, you know, the the, uh, South Atlantic. It was eerie. What we did that night is we circled this thing, right, just to wait for some daylight to come up. Next morning, it's not even there anymore. Oh, my God. Like you said, so much crazy shit must just be going on there out in the sea all the fucking time, especially in these rough waters. Like, who knows what's what's truly out there, right? I mean, so much shit can truly be happening. It just doesn't have to be as desolate as, as most of us think, right? There there can just be all these crazy fucking, whether it be like natural occurrences or like these paranormal things that you we're talking about tonight. Like, who knows, man? Because if the, the eyes are focused on it all the time, who knows what's really happening out there? You're exactly right. And, you know, the Navy doesn't come right out and say it, but when ships enter the Bermuda Triangle, it goes around the deck plate, right? So it goes around all the sailors on the ship that were in the triangle, and no one goes outside at night. Everybody stays inside. <laughs> the ship. That's a good question, though. So with the uh, with the Bermuda Triangle, like, what is, is that like a, a, a gravitational or a magnetic pull or something like that? Is that what the theory is behind that? That is the theory, um, that it's some kind of gravitational pull. I mean, there's and there's other pods out there that talk about the Bermuda Triangle with you know, um, planes not knowing where they're going, equipment's all messed up. Never experienced any of that, but I've been through the Bermuda Triangle quite a, quite a bit. I mean, you have to cut right through it if you're going down to Florida. It's, 
I don't know, man. I, I when it's dark outside, dude, I'm the biggest sissy there is. Yeah. I stay my ass on board that shit. Dude, I don't blame you, man. Like, I mean, yeah, that's that, and it's got to be an eerie silence too, huh? Quiet and dark. The, when you have clear nights and and you know the moon's out and there's a lot of stars. I mean, it's pretty nice. It, 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 it's obviously something good to look at. I've seen it enough. <laughs> now, do you ever hear shit splashing around at night and shit? Oh, yeah, all the time. And you're like, what the fuck was that? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, that would fuck me up. One of the loneliest things is, right, so we have lookouts. And lookouts are up there. You know, they're either on the front of the ship or the back of the ship. And you're alone. You're either forward or aft lookout. Dude, you hear some weird stuff. <laughs> I used to... T- I used to... T- I used to tell my friends, I'd be like, hey, man, I'll buy you a pack of basic cigarettes and a, and a, and a Coke if you come out here and hang out with me during this watch. Dude, that's what I'm saying. I can't. <laughs> like a random fucking splash or like like, like a sound, uh, like a, some fucking like aquatic animal making some sound that you're just not used to. Fuck that. But you can hear things out there, right? So you hear whales, all kinds of crap. Jesus Christ, man. That's crazy. I mean, that's interesting as shit, but fuck. Yeah. But uh, we wanted—I wanted to tell you yeah. we, when we were talking off air. I think next week or the week after, one of the coming up. Chris and I are doing an episode on um, the Loch Ness monster, and you had told me that you were actually uh, in Loch Ness at one point, right? I sure was. I had to drive around it to get to the other side of Loch Ness to to go uh, pick up something from a, um, a independent contractor, and it's really weird going around there. So it's it's. Now, I don't know if you ever drove in Europe, England. You're driving on the wrong side of the road, for one, which yeah. is completely freaking weird. But Loch Ness is like, it's always foggy and, and, and weary. And, you know, we're driving there, and, and I wasn't driving. I, I So I'm looking out in the water. I'm trying to see something, you know. So I, I made the driver. I made him stop at a little coffee shop. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, where, where's the best place to see Nelly? I got to go see Loch Ness. You know? the, the landscape alone can fuck with you. And all you need is like some ripples of like, you know, a, a school of fish swimming by or like birds doing some crazy ass shit, a wake from a boat or any kind of like thing like that. I mean, your mind can play tricks with you, the shadows and the reflections off the water. So, I mean, you can definitely see how people can uh, jump the gun and believe that they see uh, Nessie. Yeah, dude. And, you know, and you're, you're talking about like Scotland and England and all this stuff. There's some weird stuff that happened there. There's so much like... History and not all of it being pleasant. You know, some of the shit was uh, on a darker side. So, I mean, that could lend itself to some crazy ass uh, dark paranormal shit happening. I'll tell you one thing our first live Between the Cracks interview was a success in my book. Yeah, I had a good time, man. I'll come back anytime. Let me know. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, I love the way that um, you guys put your podcast on i um i listen to it all the time and i listen to it at weird times i let it build up a little bit so i'll skip an episode or two (laughs) and i'll either listen to it i do i mean you know because i either listen to it when i'm cutting my lawn or if i'm driving in in the car um from virginia beach north carolina and you guys are a riot dude keep doing what you're doing you guys are doing good stuff thanks bro appreciate it all right, well, I'm going to text you in a little bit anyway, T-Bone. So uh, thanks for being on the show. And uh, I'm going to add some sound effects to this, and I might even add a phone slamming down, like we used to slam them down in the 80s. When, uh, when yeah, we were hanging- <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro, thanks for-, <laughs> thanks for being on, bro. I'll touch you in a little bit. All right, brother. Be All good. right, thank you. Later. All right, everybody, we are back. Uh, Chris... What the hell did you make of that interview? I mean, I, you got to imagine, especially being in as long as he's been there, that there's just going to be some really wacky shit, especially that goes on in the ocean. How many times people are just like, you know, it's just not documented that someone's out in the war and they just drowned or they, you know, something happens to their boat and they just get abandoned or whatever. I mean, there's so much shit out there they must see. Well, that's what it is. That story that he was talking about, with the uh, just finding the life vest and then the empty boat, that really spooked me the fuck out, you know. And that's that's the thing that I mentioned on interviewers, like you know, we're only like privy to what the eyes can see when we're people are out on the ocean, you know. But what happens when there's nobody watching? We don't know what the fuck is going on out there. Yeah, and like the the Bermuda Triangle, like how infamous that was for an area where people would just lose you know contact with others and then just disappear, like. 
you know, if there was parts of the ocean or something where it was just particularly, I don't know, like, like the, the conditions of the ocean were just so bad that they're just like sucked fucking ships underwater or something like you don't, there's just too much area out there to cover. You're just, there's so many, so many things that probably have happened that no one has ever known about dumped, you know, I'm sure people have dumped bodies out there. You know, there's just, well, that's the thing too. Cause he talked about the Bermuda triangle a little bit and went on to say that, you know, he's never had any trouble with it going through, but, all the sailors end up staying inside when they go past it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like one of those paranormal things. Like, you know, I don't believe in ghosts, but... <laughs> I'm not going to tempt fate. Yes, fuck that. So you can't blame them for that. No, absolutely not. I mean, obviously, some things way back when, like many things we know of, are like that old folklore, but it's not It's not worth uh, tempting Yeah, not tempting fate, but uh, that's the other thing that scared the shit out of me. You know, I was telling him how scared shitless we are of sharks and swimming out in the ocean (laughs) and you know like he said like one of the creepiest things like like he said in the interview was just being out there at night and then hearing these fucking things like hearing a whale come by like i would flip out dude i don't give a shit how big this ship is like my only thought would be that this thing's gonna sink and i'm gonna be stuck in that water with these things oh especially at night god like just just hearing things and the ocean's so freaking you know, there's so much unknown about it, uh, because it's so vast, but, you know, like, people, like, accidentally falling overboard or not being accounted for, and, like, you're just, we were talking about in, uh, remember that cruise ship episode we did, how if somebody were to just fall off the back in the middle of the night, you're, you're not knowing that for how long. You don't person, know. And then, and that's it. I mean, you're not staying afloat for 12, 24 hours. And that's the thing, too. Like, you know, if, especially if it happens at night, you don't realize that someone went overboard. The ship just keeps moving, and that body's just floating out to sea. But It's fucking eerie. My worst nightmare is not even fucking drowning so much. I think I could, like, stay afloat and stabilize my body. It would be having something bump up next to me, like, hitting me from, like, in, in the water, like, rubbing up against <laughs> me. Dude, I, I, w- I, would just sw- I would swim right into the fucking thing's mouth. <laughs> just, just end it. Stop end, the taunting. End it right now. Not knowing what's around you and just hearing splashes in the water and just knowing that there's something, you're not not knowing what it is. Fuck. And what's crazy is he's been all around the fucking world. Like I said, I was talking to him about us doing the uh, Loch Ness Monster episode. He, as you heard, drove around the entire uh, lake. And uh, let me just give you some knowledge, Chris. Do you know Loch means lake? <laughs> Actually, I probably didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't even look into it. I, I just I, I looked it up the other day when we were going to uh, start recording uh, that episode. So yeah, I just found out myself. But uh, so Lake Ness. Uh huh. Let me. That's the name of the lake, huh? Yeah. So uh, it's like uh, like we have down here in uh, Westchester, uh, uh, Sprout Lock. <laughs> Fucking stupid. Yeah, you know, the the Hudson Highlands. (laughs) I'm going to start saying that to people just so I get a fucking dirty look. Um, But yeah, so he drove around the whole thing. And like he said, and I've seen videos of it, it's just always foggy, you know, and you got these these rolling hills in the background. So that lends itself to fucking with your mind and, and, and creeping you out. So you can imagine that people probably think they're seeing shit all the time whether it be like you know some kind of wave or a log or you know a school of fish wakes from a boat you just don't fucking know then again you know who's to say what's in this lake or more mysteriously what's in the fucking ocean yeah you know everybody knows i think we all know right that the Loch Ness monster is fake blah 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 blah, right chris don't give it away but that's next week's episode (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) if you go (laughs) If you were to go for a, uh, a swim, I don't even care if it was the daytime. You're telling me you're not going to have in the back of your mind that there's something in there, dude. You, t- I, I'll tell you right now, I will not swim in that thing. I want that <laughs> bit, that, that fat bitch coming up and biting me. You want to be the re- the reason that this thing actually gets discovered? <laughs> now, uh, Chris. With that said, would you like to see my Loch Ness monster? I'm going to pass on this one too. I think. <laughs> but you're exactly fucking right. I mean. Again, why tempt fate? <laughs> Who knows what's in that fucking thing? But some giant ass eel. Yeah, I, there's there's no reason to just find out. I don't want to know. 
But I, I give those guys credit, man. Like, T-Bone and all those guys on these ships, like, I couldn't take it. I mean, like I said, I don't give a shit how big the fucking vessel is. My thought would always be that this thing's going to sink and I'm going to be stuck out there in, in no man's land. I mean, you never know, too. I mean, obviously, it's a little easier to determine these days. But, like, think about way back when, like, there could just be submarines underneath you. Yeah. And you could just get hit and that's it. Well, he was talking about the uh, seas around going around Cape Horn down in Chile. Do you hear how I said what, that, Chris? What country is this? Ch- Chile, down in uh, the southernmost point of uh, South America. So um, <laughs> <laughs> he was going through the uh, waters of, uh, like I said, Chile, down in Cape Horn. And like, that's where the Atlantic meets the Pacific. And he said that's some of the roughest waters that he's ever encountered. So you throw that into the fucking mix. So you don't know what's going on beneath you, first off. And then you have rough waters making you sick up on top, thinking the thing's going to fucking overturn. You know, like, I mean, what a oh, mind yeah. fuck. I can't remember what the footage I was watching. There was this video of, uh, I think it was a naval vessel. And it was literally going through. It looked like it was like a, a fucking toy boat in a, a pond. The waves must have been 60 plus feet. And I'm talking I'm telling you if this thing was not riding the the correct direction like which is like right kind of into it, the thing would have toppled right over. I mean the those the the waves were bigger than the ship. Well, dude, that's how it goes. Like it almost looks kind of like a like a surfboard. That's how small the thing looks when it's like riding on some of these goddamn waves. But I remember when I was on that cruise to Bermuda, god, was it 2 or 3 years ago? Dude, we hit it was during hurricane season, and we hit some fucking bad storms, and that whole ship, they had to shut down the top of it. All the bars were closed because things were breaking, but it was swaying back and forth, and it, like we were all getting sick. But I'm such a fucking fat pig that it was dessert night. It was like the final night. So I, I still went, nobody came with me, and I still went in, into the dining hall by myself, and I was eating all these cakes, like, a, like, like red velvet, this fucking chocolate mousse and all shit. Dude, I walked out of that thing. I was fucking swaying side to side, bro. <laughs> fucking fudge sundaes sliding yeah. off the table. <laughs> but just like a, like a fat moose <laughs> stuffing my face. But yeah, dude. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. These these stories of the sea are just so crazy and, and interesting to me because it's a place I'll never go, you know? But it, it's just so mysterious, too. And those, like, not to mention when well, you were talking about the cruise ship, too, but how many times there's been uh, rogue waves... That just literally come out of nowhere and just mash these things right over. It's like, crazy. It's, just, it's nuts. Like you don't know what to. You don't know, and all of a sudden it happens. Not to mention, God forbid, you're in the water when there's an earthquake. Those tsunamis. Forget it. <laughs> well, it looks like we're never going on a boat again. <laughs> <laughs> looks like. I mean, it's only pools for me. <laughs> And of course, no deeper than four feet. <laughs> we never know what's what's dwelling below. But uh, yeah, you know. So I mean, he had a wide variety of stories, uh, as you heard, like you know, dealing with the paranormal to all that crazy shit up at sea, and then the other story about you know that that disturbing one about the missing girl. Man, that was just fucking nuts. And like we said, that that kind of parlays into what we're talking about, like shit that you find at the bottom of the sea things that you just don't know what's down there you know so they searched for this girl for years and years you know and you know there was no trace of her and they finally found her because oil from the van started rising to the top so you know like you said before with these bodies disappearing in the ocean and you know or rivers or lakes like i mean how fucking disturbing is that dude i've heard so many stories about you know cars and shit being found at the bottom of the lakes about you know from people who had gone missing and you know they drove their car off a ravine into a lake or something like that and being found 20 30 years later yeah it's just fucking i've i've heard stories i think even from my grandfather when he used to be like a river keeper way back and they'd pull, like, they'd pull divers out, like, I'm talking, like, obviously, and, and that have been in the water for a while, and just, ugh, terrible. It, it's so crazy, dude. Like, so, it's just, like, you just don't know what is down there. I mean, <laughs> bodies, automobiles, Loch Ness monsters. Like, <laughs> giant squids. Oh, God, giant eels, sturgeon, everything, all gross, gross shit. Like, we have right here in the Hudson... We have uh, a seal 
that has been spotted a few times up in uh, like around Hudson or so. Like that's another. I mean, they're, they're cute and all, but God, imagine being in, in in the Hudson like swimming around or some shit, and that thing comes past you. <laughs> Right past the feet. <laughs> One crazy thing I'll have to say, that's that's the reason why I also never swim in rivers, is because bull sharks have been known to swim up rivers to lay their eggs a lot, but they can go far. I think they found a bull shark, like, I don't know how many miles, a thousand miles or something, up the Mississippi River. Are you kidding me? Some shit. They found it way up the Mississippi River, and even in like the Nile and stuff, they find bull sharks that because they could swim in brackish water. In fact, they can survive in fresh water for short periods of time. Um, and when I say short, I mean like I think just over a year. There's some, and I don't know if it's true or not, but there's something dating back to 1937 where two fishermen apparently pulled a 84 pound bull shark, get this, out of Illinois in the Mississippi River. Oh my god. Dude, fuck that. Well, I guess the uh, the moral of uh this week's episode was uh stay the fuck out of the water. <laughs> yeah. So, that's it, Chris. Uh, what do you say we swim back to uh dry land and get the fuck out of here? You first. <laughs> we will be <laughs> we will be back next week, but uh, well, we think, you know. Well, what we say, no, what, what we say, and what we do are two totally different things. But uh, <laughs> our next episode will be about the Loch Ness monster, which we'll dive into that a little bit more, and uh, we'll see uh, if we can get Chris to uh, dip his uh, little toes in there and uh, see if he finds <laughs> anything. The fuck I will. <laughs> but uh, that's it. But I got to get the hell out of here. I got shit to do today. So uh, let me give the quick rundown, and we will be on our merry way you want to get in touch with us you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com or you can get in touch with us on facebook that's uh between the cracks podcast and there's a group there also if you put it into groups or you can find us on instagram which is between the cracks podcast you can message us there that is me i will answer you back and uh, also, we have uh, some fucking merchandise available, and that's on uh, Teespring, and the name of the store is BTC. So you can get yourself a shirt and all the other shit. We have a couple of uh, blue ball designs, which are very popular right now, the, and the original skull fucking design that we had for the podcast. So uh, there's a couple of nice things available. One shirt that I actually mailed to Chris and put the wrong address on, and ended up... <laughs> Fucking lost. So now, Chris, we have a fan walking around with a shirt. Either a fan or went into the fireplace. One of those. <laughs> I'm uh, going with a ladder. Oh, God. So uh, hopefully sooner or later somebody will buy something. Who knows? But um, that's it, Chris. Until next week, we bid you all the fondest. Oh, farewells. Shark this week.